Welcome to Spinning Out. I'm your host, Josh Robbins. This is a podcast where we talk to guests about their favorite albums. Today we're talking with Devin McKnight of the band Manica, and previously of Speedy Ortiz and Grass is Green. We talked about Deftones' album White Pony, and about what new metal holds up, and what is and isn't new metal. We also talk about having complicated relationships with friends and how to navigate that as adults. Devin is technically a return guest because he appeared on the Instagram live show version of Spinning Out. That happened in its infancy. So go find that on Instagram. That's at LateBloomerNC if you dare. We talked about Rage Against the Machine. Anywho, Devin has a new Manica record coming out. That's 311-2022 on Skeletal Lightning. It's called Dark Matters, and you can pre-order that now from the band or the label. Also want to remind you to check out our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash spinningoutpod. And speaking of our Patreon, we recently did an episode about Taproot's album Gift, and we talk about that some in this episode. So if you subscribe to our Patreon, then it's a good companion piece to this episode. So I'd recommend checking that out. Okay, won't hold you any longer. Let's chat with Devin. Hey, Devin, how's it going? Uh, you know, can't uh, can't complain. Can't complain. How's it going over your you're in. Where are you, Charlotte? North, North, yeah, Charlotte, Charlotte North, North Carolina. Carolina. Yeah, okay, that's cool. Yeah, um, I was actually thinking about uh, before we started recording, we were kind of discussing like, so you are a return guest, mm-hmm. um, s- sort of, I guess. Yep. So this, as people know, that this used to be an Instagram thing, then became a podcast, and you were like the second guest on that Instagram series. And I was kind of thinking about like how long that's been, <laughs> and, and it's crazy because it's like a pandemic project that's still essentially a pandemic project, right? And also, uh, we still haven't made up that show we were supposed to play together right before yeah. COVID started. I think I, I gave up on that <laughs> idea. <laughs> I don't so know. okay, <laughs> so we're not talking about that today. Uh, we are talking about Deftones' album from the year 2000, White Pony, and that came out June 20th, 2000, on Maverick Records, okay. and it was produced by Terry Date, who did uh, records by like Pantera and Soulfly, a bunch of other things from that time frame. Limp Biscuit. Yeah, Limp Biscuit. Uh, there's like so much. him Between him and this guy named Ulrich Wilde, they just had the scene like cornered mm-hmm. at the time. Ulrich Wilde did like a taproot record that came out like a week which one after this oh yeah uh, gift yeah yeah oh, i love that one yeah that was uh that's i still listen to that record we just did a uh well i don't know what the time frame will be but uh, a little bit behind the curtain we did a patreon episode of that taproot record uh, um because it was a record that my partner listened to in like high school yeah um and I will say this kind of era of music like passed me by. And I think it's it's kind of got me thinking a lot about like kind of like what you get into just kind of based on like what your friends are into. Right. You know, that's like I mean it's just that simple a lot of times. It's like you kind of 
go. It was that was like the only way. I guess now in 2022 you can kind of get into whatever you want but still i guess you probably would want to go where your friends are gonna going sure you know so so i guess thinking about that like what was your was this the first deftones album you remember hearing or what was your experience getting into this record let's let's hop into our uh time machine head back I don't know uh, if there's a noise for (laughs) (laughs) the time machine. Go back to the year 2000. Um, So I actually, um, let's see, I heard the Deftones on the radio. They had this countdown. I probably talked about this countdown on the last one because that's where I heard Rage Against Against the Machine for the first time. Yeah, yeah. But um, when My Own Summer came out, um in 97 i was in seventh grade and you know i mean i sort of think about the teenage and adolescent years as like you have no identity mm-hmm. you know what i mean so the, yeah. the things that hit you that especially the ones that are like unexpected um it almost freaks you out at first because you don't know enough mm-hmm. about yourself yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that when I heard My Own Summer, I was just like, man, this dude's screaming a lot. It's kind of bad, but I kind of love it. <laughs> yeah. And then it, it became like, you know, the the riff, this, it just like, I was just like enamored with like how it sounded, you know, because it was heavy. It wasn't corny to me. It was, it was just cool, you know, had kind of like a sexy vibe. And as a 12 year old, I don't know what that is yet. Really? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. like really, you know? So it's just kind of like, this is hitting a lot of weird spots and uh, I'm just gonna, over time, like, I'm, I'm gonna figure it out. Um, so then, um, you know, Be Quiet and Drive came out too and I was super down with that when it came out on the radio. Um, I don't think I went out and bought that record though or the CD, I suppose, um, limited funds. Yeah. Yeah. And also there's like a weird thing, you know, to go back to identity, um, for much of middle school, all my friends were like, like, you know, as, as I'm sure a lot of people's friends were like almost expressly into hip hop and rap. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, like I went to a really diverse school, but like all the people that looked looked like me or like you know brown people they're super into like dmx and buster rhymes and like all that stuff and so i was definitely too like still am you know what i mean yeah but um so but as far as like certain types of rock stuff i might have to do that on my own time (laughs) kind of thing yeah and um it sounds pretty silly talking about it now you know just the words coming out of my mouth but like that was definitely going through in my head i mean i made little mixtapes and stuff and i listened to it in my room and you know my parents were probably just like what the what the fuck <laughs> what is yeah what is that but yeah so like that was sort of where my identity was at at that point sort of like viewing heavy rock music as being like a guilty pleasure almost because because yeah. before middle school i liked rock 
you know, me and my friends listened to rock music. But like by the time middle school came around, everyone wanted to like, you know, wear extra baggy clothes and like, uh, you know, the the weird like the weirdo kids with like corn shirts on would go over there. And then the other kids who the punk rock kids would go over there. And then the hip hop ki kids would go on the other side. And, you know, I mean, I had my little side. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I had some crossover groups, you know what I mean? But that's kind of yeah. that's kind of where I was at. So I basically just listened to the Deftones by myself. <laughs> so I didn't actually go out and spend the money on it, you know? Yeah, but I feel like, well, uh, uh, the way I was raised, I mean, it's like I was lucky if I got something on CD, you know, like it's. Yeah, I didn't have a ton of money. Limited, limited funds. I, yeah, I had limited so funds, like, so I really had to like, and CD burners weren't there yet. Like mm -hmm. maybe one or two kids had them, but it wasn't like very widely, um, you know, it, it wasn't like it was in high school. And um, so, yeah, like, you know, I had limited funds, maybe for Christmas, I could get stuff. So I didn't want to like over, you know, I didn't want to ask for the wrong thing. So I asked for DMX mm -hmm. for Christmas. I asked for, <laughs> you know, uh, I remember when Wu-Tang Forever came out, you know, I bought that as a double tape because I didn't have enough for the double CD because that probably would have been like 30 bucks or something. Um, so. So yeah, I didn't, I didn't have around the fur. Um, and then it, w it wasn't until um, high school when White Pony came out, um, this friend, acquaintance of mine, he pulled up to uh, a show my band at the time was playing. And, you know, I, I wouldn't say that he is like, you know, the coolest kid or whatever, but like he had a car with a good sound system. Yeah. And he pulled up and he was like blasting something from that record. And I was just like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> and then like, I just sort of saw the cover and I was just like, it's so vague, so cool. So, yeah. so calming. Do I like this? I do. I still like this, you know, kind of thing. And mm -hmm. um, then, you know, I started sort of, um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know whether this was just like a personal self-discovery kind of thing, um, but, um, you know, I, 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 you know, I was a bit of a jock. I played football, played sports and stuff. And, yeah. um, I think my brain started to change because I stopped like identifying with that stuff as much. Like I still did it. And I started making friends that were like into like a lot more like depressing shit. And like, <laughs> like it was okay to have those emotions. Those like, you know what I mean? More complex kind of thoughts. And so like I had these two friends, two or three friends that like showed me Taproot, um, showed me the entire Deftones catalog, including White Pony, I went out and bought that like immediately. And um, they also gave me Glassjaw, a um, bunch of other stuff kind of in that vein. I mean, 
Incubus was just kind of like a no-brainer, honestly, back then. I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't hide from that. But yeah, uh, I feel like that was that was like at least in my school experience. I feel like that was like more acceptable in like the mainstream. It was. It was easier to sh- express that. But if you were hanging out with kids who like like into like stuff that was like made made feel, people feel uncomfortable, you didn't always want to like talk about that. I guess. Yeah. Like depression yeah. wasn't cool. Depression, or, or like, <laughs> yeah. you know, and um, looking back on it, that's definitely what I would call it. But I, I didn't understand that about myself until later on. And um, yeah, I just like kind of fell in love with uh, the deep guitars, the excessive, you know, screaming. Also, just like, you know, like, the way certain vocalists allow, not everyone can pull this off also. Um, the way certain vocalists allow the listener to kind of place themselves in it with their own narratives mm-hmm. was kind of, it was, was kind of like cool. I, you know, and he talks about that in interviews, like um, he, he kind of is, he's a little dodgy with like, what's the song, the songs mean um and you know as a kid i didn't understand it anyway so i didn't even know that the album was about like or named after like cocaine until like yeah yeah way later um but um yeah so you know there's certain things in their music that are definitely about adolescence and sort of vaguely so you could kind of like place yourself in that you know what i mean yeah and um yeah i mean there became a time by the end of high school i didn't have any friends that weren't like deeply fucking with deftones Mm -hmm. it was just you know it's a period piece yeah yeah (laughs) yeah do you feel like that's just uh, where we're at in the same way like i guess like around this time you were listening to things like taproot and uh deftones was there like a point in your trajectory where or i guess like looking back at it now do you think like taproot holds up as much as like deftones or like how do you how do you like quantify that in your mind in your mind like looking back on it um gift is the only taproot that holds up for me okay if i showed taproot to somebody else they would be like what the fuck is this dude yeah so in in that way i think uh deftones is a little more ubiquitous of a force in mm-hmm. music and there's a lot there's just a lot more going on uh tap taproot is like new metal with a capital n mm-hmm. you know what i mean like taproot it like if you look at a video from that record the way they're dressed just like even like the way the bassist plays that like it sounds like a fretless like it's just very dated you know so it's like a time capsule i don't think deftones ever was really that dated and they're like a little bit more like their own thing. You didn't have to subscribe to new metal completely to like Deftones. No, that's always been the complicated thing because I feel like, and I've tried to like push back against like the feeling, like when I was a lot younger, it was like new metal was the enemy. And then there's there's like, (laughs) like this many years I am, it's complicated to me, like where the line is sometimes. You're not, you're not wrong though. You know, um, because one of the other, one of the other bands that we were potentially going to do was Shiner. 
their album Egg is like one of those weird kind of dividing line records. Uh, them and like like Handsome or like Quicksand, all these bands where it feels like they're people that mm-hmm. grew up liking the same thing that people like Handsome or Quicksand or like Orange Nine Millimeter um, liked, but it's just like a different expression of it. And Deftones is like squarely in the middle. So it's like Taproot, like you said, like they're going, it's like just straight up new metal, you know, but like, but like Deftones is really right. complicated, like being like right in the middle because there are like you know, elements, you know, they have a guy who plays turntables and, you know, there's little rapping parts, but none of it's like completely. Yeah. It's not rap. It's still com. It's still complicated to me. Like, like yeah. I, it took me. A while. I feel like I'm at a point where I respect Deftones a lot. And like musically, it's like everything I like, you know, like, but you got to be like in or out with Chino, it feels like. Like he, but it's a, but it's a complicated thing in like a good way that it's like when you compare it to Taproot or when you even think about it with like Shiner, it's such a different, like, it's such a complex record too. For like a record that's so was so big at the time, mm-hmm. like it's it's very weird because it's it's just so much more complex than you would get. I would have given them credit for in like the year two thousand. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I'm I'm with that one hundred percent. I think that that's why as I grew older, you know, like there are certain bands. As I grew older, it's like. I got to revisit and then understand it better because I was like, you know, smarter and had more life experience and I understood them better. Like Green Day was a group like that for me. Like I went back and listened to Dookie like when I was 20. It was probably around the time when, you know, how old Billy Joe was when he wrote Dookie. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I understand everything he's talking about. <laughs> Yeah. And I was just kind of like, damn, when I was nine, when I heard this, I was probably not like ready for this, you know, like when he, when burnout comes in, I was just kind of like, you know, probably smoking weed by myself and just being like, dude, he's like, he's like talking about, he's, he's talking about me. <laughs> and so yeah. with Deftones, I was able to kind of like retrospectively find new meaning for them i i I think as i as i got older and um yeah so i guess i guess that's kind of why it has remained something that i'm always like even if like some of their newer stuff isn't like my shit i'm still like you know that's a part of my past that i'm like willing to to like go to bat for you know what i mean like, yeah, yeah. The respect is there, and and I feel like they were going for something artistically that like no one else really had the balls to go for when they were in the '90s, like 2000s. Like everything was major label or bust back then. Mm-hmm. People were making a lot of bad decisions musically, yeah. and they stood their ground and were somehow successful in spite of that, which didn't. Which is weird. That was weird because, like, a yeah, lot. That's pretty weird. I think if if any of my bands from back then had gotten big, I don't think we would have ever been able to handle like the major label pressures that were coming around. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Unless like 
I'm just completely like not giving myself enough credit here, but you know, it, it, it just kind of seemed like pre indie world, like mm -hmm. indie meaning independent labels and the internet and stuff like that. Like there weren't a lot of options for people. So if like, you know, if you wrote an album and they didn't like it, they would just tell you to fuck off or yeah. and, and write another one. That was actually a normal thing. Like I remember yeah. hearing that about Fiona Apple, like she wrote some crazy record and then the label what was already planning on like giving her the other half a million dollars anyway to rewrite it. Basically, that was like a common practice. I don't know. It could just be a rumor, but I'm just saying like. No, yeah, it seemed to happen a lot because even I know I, I feel like I'm dropping a lot of like taproot knowledge on it but uh <laughs> so the so one of the records that they did kind of after gift uh yeah, they dude. they had they have like it's like three songs were co-written by uh billy corgan and you, you uh, see you see that no wonder lot. man no yeah, wonder yeah you, you see that, that record that record uh, it was prime for the radio you know the, the gift was on the major label was on like columbia or warner i don't remember which one and you know it's still very high fi you know what mm -hmm. i'm saying but like yeah they weren't on the radio though like mm -hmm. especially you know what i mean like they weren't on the radio and like when when poem came out i was like okay they're doing it but there's like a uh sort of like a feeling of you know over production they weren't leaning into the things that i thought really you know uh cut through that they had and it was just too just too sanitized for me as a record um i went back and listened to it like not that long ago honestly um, yeah and that that would always happen back then like um i remember um there was this kind of weird pipeline where you find a band on kazaa or limewire or some shit and you find like the version before they got discovered or whatever mm -hmm. and then like six months later after you found that or maybe even saw them by now the uh fucking um you know like island def jam would get their grubby hands on it and start adding all this shit to it and then i'd be sitting here like dude you guys ruined it man like I don't know. I was I was like the only bands that avoided that for me uh were like Thursday. Thursday came out uh were all the time and I was like scared to listen to it cuz I was like, "Ah, oh, did they fuck this up?" And then yeah. I put it I put it on and I was like, "Okay, he just sings a little better." Okay, cool. <laughs> it's like still yeah. good music to me. Um uh Coheed and Cambria, I remember like narrowly escaped for their big record but then the one after that was pretty bad like yeah. a lot a lot of bands from like the early 2000s didn't make it through that like underground to big big band sort yeah, of it, pipeline with like major label those opportunities at the time even like with thursday i feel like they were like tied to some kind of subculture yeah uh, but when we compare it to like deftones you know, 
I'm not like saying you need to be tied to a subculture to be like legitimate in 2022 or, you know, and, and, and even in the year 2000, but I don't know if they really were. And I think that was like less of an option for a lot of people. I think you're right. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. It's not like they would have really existed on, you know, DeSoto records, which is like the label that Shiner the egg came out on, you know? Like, that um, option wasn't there yeah. for a lot of bands. You know, it was kind of like this or we're no done. No way. Yeah. yeah, they, um, to further that, I mean, you know, they're from Sacramento, you know? Like, there's nothing. I don't know if you've ever been, but there's nothing there. No, I've not. Yeah, I've not been, but that's that's always just felt like, like the sentiment. Yeah. There's nothing there. Um, you know, I mean, they are in California, so it's like they could drive places, I'm sure um but you know as far as like local culture i mean i'm you know i i don't think that there is a lot going on i mean maybe they're like i know you know uh some of them were like really into metal yeah stuff like that so there's always a scene everywhere for like kind of more heavy music um and you know the legend has it and you know, I believe it to be true, because uh, if you look on Chino Moreno's uh, Twitter page, his profile picture is Madonna, mm-hmm. and Madonna discovered them. Yeah, I noticed that because, um, yeah, with Maverick Records, this record coming out, and that that's like Madonna's label. It's like a Warner Brothers imprint. And so, yeah, that's like an interesting era. There, there's like another band called Olive that, you know, had a hit around this time frame. But Madonna was just like scooping people up, you know, it's, which is unique to kind of look back on. Yeah. I mean, which, whatever the fuck she saw in them, I mean, you know, I mean, I guess if you think about it, like Madonna was like, I don't want to use this word too liberally, but like, you know. Madonna was like attitudinally, she was like punk, almost. Yeah, like she yeah. was breaking breaking barriers. I'll, I'll just say that breaking barriers. I I can't believe I just said Madonna was punk, but uh, she her spirit was rebellious, stuff like that. That's what she kind of embodied. So perhaps, you know, um, if you if you go back and watch, say like videos from like ninety three, ninety four just before adrenaline came out which i still love that record that's that's the raw like heavy one mm-hmm. well they're i mean they're all pretty heavy but you know that was their first full length and you watch them back then and they look like they're like a tight band you know they're like makes you like remember kind of what it was like to to be in your first like good band you know what i mean mm-hmm. and um yeah i mean i guess that's what she saw um but then, but then again, like Chino still wasn't what he became yet. Um, mm-hmm. None of his lyrics on that record make any sense. Yeah. Um, like I don't even think, like I I went through on Genius to kind of try to figure out what he was talking about, um, and there's just no explanations. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he he was just kind of figuring it out, you know. Um, he, he was probably still pretty young and uh, didn't know what he wants or wanted. So he, a lot of it was him just kind of doing like a 
Mike Patton impersonation and then probably screaming a little bit more and just yeah. like le- leaning into kind of the aggression stuff like that and uh just saying what felt good I guess um I can say definitively that seven words is about police brutality mm-hmm. um but that was after uh, a lot of digging <laughs> yeah um and yeah you see you know he cut his hair cut the dreads off you know he sang a little bit more and then on around the on the round the fur they had some big radio hits you know it really kind of like turned into a different thing i mean he became like almost like a sex symbol you know and i think that like um i don't think even madonna could have probably predicted that <laughs> yeah i i don't know if i've i don't know if i've kind of thought about chino being like <laughs> like a sex symbol at, at that time frame or you know i'm trying to almost think back to about like like i remember like friends i knew that were in the like deftones it's like i'm trying to think of them like being in like high times magazines and stuff because i remember like one specific high times uh it's like a the centerfold thing in the high times magazine was was corn sitting with pantera and they were around the gravity bong um, but I'm trying to like kind of place, trying to place Deftones during that time frame as like, you know, people in my school being like, oh, the guys in Deftones are so hot. You know, I think it was it was I think it was just it was just him. Just you. you know I mean? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it was any of the other guys. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, he he kind of just like, I feel like, in that time period, um, it's it like Brandon Boyd and like Chino were probably considered to be like those yeah. guys, those front yeah, men yeah, who yeah. were like, you know what I mean? Every guy wanted to be them and every girl wanted to be with, you know, be with them. And, mm-hmm. you know, all he writes about from a certain point on is sex too. So, I mean, like, I think that that's yeah. part of what they were like selling. So, yeah, I think actually I'm kind of realizing too, like as you know, a, very grown adult that like there was probably an aversion to new metal because of the sexuality of a lot of it and i was like such a prude kid like coming from you know conservative parents like i don't know how much i would have been able to like hit that under my parents nose like i feel like hiding mm. ska would was a lot easier because it's just all sounded christian to them but it's like I can't think of like there would have been no way to like hide new metal stuff with like you know and like yeah the sexuality of it, it yeah there's no way my parents would have like broke that shit in half you know throwing it out of the house you know? yeah yeah yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah sex sex and drugs man sex and drugs um, yeah yeah I don't know um it's it's interesting to think about though to go back to like what holds up still Mm -hmm. um there's still only really a few a few bands from that era to me which ones would you say hold up um well system of a down definitely yeah system of a down rules like i i went back and actually uh drummer in my band jordan and me were uh randomly just sort of on a youtube dive and this full fucking performance of System of Down in the year 2001 came on. 
So they're playing everything off the self-titled and toxicity stuff. That was it. Wow. And they talk about a tight band. Yeah. Like, it's weird to say that because it's like System of a Down, you think like, oh, crazy wild, like whatever, heavy, blah, blah, blah. They were tight. They did not miss a beat. And you're just like, wow, these dudes rip. Like, there's only one guitar, one bass. Yeah. Drummer, singer. That was it. And it sounded just like the record. I was just like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> you know, I have like a new appreciation for like how hard all that stuff is to do tightly over and over and over again. And they sounded really good, dude. Like those live performances don't sound but so good off the soundboard. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Videos and stuff. And they sounded really good. And like, I already, you know, had done a deep dive of their discography and solidified them in my head, but that that just really like brought it back for me. I was just like, wow, this band uh, deserves every amount of respect that they get. Um, I guess probably have mentioned Corn a bunch, but I don't think Corn. I don't think Corn really holds up. Yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't disagree with you that in a full like. You know, they didn't have like full records that were just like, just blow me, blow me away song after song after song. It was more about the singles that were really dope. Yeah. Um, and then they couldn't keep it going. It's just kind of like, how many times are you going to play Freak on a Leash before it's like time to get something new going, you know, and like, I don't know. Yeah, every time, well. every time I have like a friend that kind of like tells me, they kind of, they might be a little younger than me or they just kind of were raised in it. Uh, I feel like they, they can't articulate liking corn past almost like a meme. Like, yeah. like it's, it's like, like fun. it's fun to like, it's yeah. And I get where it. it's fun. Cause it's like, you know, we put on like certain things from that era and it's, you know, like, I mean, actually I think like white zombies actually good. Um, you know, it's like, but even like Rob zombie, I don't feel like, like had like as full of good albums as like white zombie but regardless like i i don't feel like like people will say like deftones will check out this record people have said that a lot to me you know but like corn i don't feel like there's anybody that's been like this whole record start to finish is you know something that you need to you mm -hmm. know it's usually singles with them yeah and they and they uh you, you know i i will tip my hat because as far as well let's put it this way when you if you put on like uh um what's that serious xm station you like the the boneyard one the, the, you know the uh the like the just the regular rock one oh. you know modern rock has been at a standstill for a long time but then if you go to the indie uh one you know I, I guess that would have been considered a college radio back in the eighties or something, but it's just like, it's not ex exciting. And then if you were to put on like, you know, like some corn song from their heyday, you'd be like, this is like, at least interesting. Mm -hmm. Like they're at least like trying something that's never been really tried before on that scale. And someone's like actively paying them to do it. And you know what I mean? It takes, it takes guts 
um, to do that and to do it well, even if it's just for a few songs here and there. Um, so I will say that of Corn, but you know I can't, I can't fully get behind just like, yeah, dude, like follow the leader is good front to back. Now there's like five good songs on that record, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like one of the things too, like what kind of ties it to, you know, that I guess the generation before, um, on like. You know, RX Queen, Scott Weiland is, uh, he's like I a guest vocalist. Yeah. Yeah. And James Maynard Keenan is on Passenger. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, kind of like tying it more toward that world. But I mean, it's like you wouldn't have turned those things down at that time frame, you know? Like, it's like if, well, Scott Weiland passed away, but it's like even today, like, I feel like if someone was like, oh, we'll put out your record, Scott Weiland has to be on it, I'd be like, okay. Of, yeah fine you know like it wouldn't it wouldn't be like you wouldn't yeah. turn it down i feel like especially in the year 2000 you would be stoked about it you know mm-hmm. uh, but i think what's what's interesting too well this was the first record that chino contributed guitar on yeah um so i think that that like changed their sound and one one thing i like doing before like doing an episode i like seeing if bands have late night appearances around that time because i feel like you know you're getting a certain thing like you know the kind of production of it you know i guess overproduction in some cases but just like like late the late night shows don't usually do bands a lot of justice it's like you're kind of getting it exactly how it is they then a lot of times they're kind of like mixed weird but they i mean they like put on a good show and they sounded really tight Mm-hmm. you know and it, like i feel like it's it's a thing that kind of like makes it kind of puts it more on a level that i feel like i can understand like you you kind of see it like oh they're like real people when you kind of see it on late night like seeing a band on snl or whatnot yep. you know um you're like oh that guy looks just as terrified as i would be you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah they were on um i i think everything from around the fur on they had late night appearances yeah it's it's just it's kind of wild to me because like when I think of when I think a lot of the new metal from the time frame or you know the kind of alternative metal uh, that time like it's still it's, I know I said it at the top it's still just so much more complicated than a lot of the other bands during that time and it just trips me up like it's it's so strange uh, and I'm just gonna kind of keep repeating myself because it's just like they're they're they are on like a different plane than like when we compare them to, I want to use a band that's not taproot. So it just doesn't feel like I'm just <laughs> shitting on them at the time. But, it, yeah. but it's like being that they're records that came out like a week from each other. It's mm-hmm. making me like compare it a lot in my head, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And just to like, where you know, after a year, a few years after the fact, uh, with like Sergio coming on to be their bass player, uh, you know, from quicksand, um and just kind of like how these worlds are kind of connected once again to taproot uh the guy from far he he helped write songs on that one taproot record as well along with steven carpenter uh and so just kind of like seeing these bands kind of commingling you know like quicksand far and uh you know along with it's just kind of makes it feel like such a smaller world because like you were saying like you know when we were kind of growing up and i guess it's every kid's experience maybe still today 
feels like you kind of like go over there if you're punk, go over there if you're like a new metal kid or like a skater, you know? But it's mm. like when you get into the nuts and bolts of it, like these people are kind of playing on each other's records. And it's not as like far away as I would have thought growing up. Right. You know? Exactly. Yeah. I feel it. I mean, I would have never guessed that like Chino's favorite, one of Chino's favorite bands is the Smiths. Yeah. He loves Morrissey. I mean, I, I feel don't know like if he, somehow that I don't like, know if he loves sense. him. I don't know if he still loves him like that, but like. He wasn't, I read um, interviews and I guess he didn't start getting the heavier stuff until he joined the band. He was into mm -hmm. a lot more like, you know, kind of softer melodic stuff before um, Duran Duran, um, like the Smiths. Um, just, yeah, like it, it, it just wasn't like metal. Like I think he's into Depeche Mode. Um, yeah. So they all kind of brought different things to the um, table. But like, if you had told me that when I was a kid, I would have been like, that's stupid. What are you talking about? Like, because um, I would have had se sectioned them off in my head as being like, you know what I mean? Yeah, they were saying like uh, the cure pornography was like a big the influence cure, yeah. on. Yeah. The cure is huge with, with them. Um, and they actually covered both of those bands on the b-sides and rarities i think they covered please 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 let me get what i want and they covered um if only tonight we could sleep by the cure yeah there was something i i'm gonna look it up real quick uh there was something interesting it's not like surprising now but like kind of like what stephen carpenter was saying his musical influences he said like chaos fear by mashuga it was one of his favorite records of all time mm -hmm. and uh, said that while while recording Deftones as Diamond Eyes, he claimed that the only artist he listened to was American rapper Tech Nine. Yeah. So. <laughs> he's he's like a very basic human being. I mean, <laughs> well, he, he's he's yeah. like, well, he's basic in the sense that like he's not he likes what he likes and he doesn't stray from that. He's like that friend that just doesn't is always the same in the same ways. You know what I mean? Yeah. Very yeah. consistent, but he's also like, there's, there's been articles of late where he's just like really into conspiracy theories. He's just like way too into smoking weed and just like sitting around, like pontificating about like the virus being like, made up or like it's just like weird stuff he was into trump like yeah his he comes from a military family so he i think he's he grew up like being kind of like i'm into republicanism kind of stuff which i don't know how they got through that well the drummer of system of a down is also like a big trump guy too okay i can see that which is which is why when you think about like what being, they're about how you're just you... like playing drums to when the guy's like singing about you know the political stuff he's doing, just... and you're just like don't agree with any of this but i'm just gonna keep fucking playing the drums like it's, it's such a weird thing like how do you get to that point you're like that's just the thing he's into the singer like that's that's always a strange thing i i did love back to stephen carpenter though because I, I was looking up the fact that he's like, you know, flat earth or anti-vax kind of guy. But Chino's response to it was like just the best response. Yeah, like he said, I, I read he's, that. He's, 
<laughs> he said Stephen smokes too much weed, and um, you know, so that just like just distill it down to that. But he also even a more serious point with it. He feels that Stephen was really affected by like the Bataclan attacks, uh, from 2015 because they were they were there. I think they ended up leaving right before the attacks happened. But it's like. Not saying it should make someone a flat earther. I don't know where that would, but it's like just to kind of get attacked. you, yeah, to get you. Paranoid. Like I, I would understand it in a way, not even condone it, but it's kind of like ugh, you know, if you were well, involved, undiagnosed yeah. PTSD. Yeah, he's just That's not. Like, he's probably not getting any help. No, and he probably is traumatized from that experience and and acting out. But just like the fact that you feel like like chino just kind of distilled it down to like this is exactly his issue is is kind of it's funny but it's also like kind of comforting that it's like he knows that about like his friend this guy that he's been in a relationship with you could say for like 30 years really they know each other very very well i think um it's just one of those you know you don't see it quite as much anymore when like a band kind of like basically it's just started from like people being homies from their hometown and they just started in a garage or some shit um you know just kind of organically sticking together and making it you know what i mean like a lot of stuff happens with bands like they lose members but the only reason they lost a member was because somebody died yeah you know i think chi chi even was just like such an old friend of theirs and there's such a like a close bond it sort of gives you the vibe that like wow these guys grew up together and they like really like each other and stuff like that so it's like you know like we know each other's families like i understand that like this guy's dad is like a republican dick and like their son can be kind of weird and insecure about that sometimes but you know he's still my friend and he plays in my band and i like him you know what i mean like everyone kind of probably is growing up with a few people now and again it's not like there are these like unimpeachable friends that like never did did anything or said anything bad or like whatever but like you know them deeper than that and like you'll never get behind whatever problematic stance that they have but you know there's just more to the story maybe yeah i think it's like i I don't know if I've been, I, I guess, luckily, I haven't been in a situation where I'm like in a band with like a guy that supports Trump, but it's like, but I've also like been in a band with, you know, people that are like, either just don't show up or like, or like an hour late. And it's not the same thing, but it's like, when you've been a friend with someone for long enough, it's like the things that you will kind of forgive if ultimately right. they're like still a friend. It's like, yeah. I'm not I'm not going to say like, you know, but but it would be hard like if you legit had been cuz I I still have a f- small group of friends that I've known since 7th grade. Mm. And luckily they're like I mean they're they're like pretty leftist. So I think that's probably like why I still like talk to them. I couldn't imagine like really. <laughs> but it's like if you were and you still had that connection, I guess like, you know, if you were in a band with them, I don't know what I'd do, you know, like it feels like an easy thing to say that it's like just right off the bat. I think it's like I would kick the guy out, but it's like with the history that like Deftones has and also probably like 
the trauma built around like she dying mm. it's like they gotta probably like they almost probably feel like they have to hold on to each other yeah they need each other like yeah. it's one of those it's one of those things like i've seen i've seen that movie like a, you know too many times and i'm sure bands have broken up for like yeah less you know what i mean and i think like it's kind of thing it's like the guys who are in that band if they're not in that band they're not doing anything yeah you know what i mean like they they probably only honestly they probably only make sense to each other yeah they're probably clowning on steven so hard on the road like when he brings that stuff up and he probably knows not to bring it up around them perhaps or they might have like you know complicated discussions that you would with like weird friends you know like even i mean i have friends that i feel like i agree with in certain ways but we'll still get in discussions since we've known each other for like you know 15 years that go in ways that you can't that me and you probably wouldn't even talk about you know like you yeah. have those friends you know i um i don't know i mean yeah i i had a have a friend i mean i still consider him my friend but he was in one of my bands and you know he uh he he last time i saw him he was talking about flat earther stuff and you know i i didn't you know i he's an argumentative personality Mm-hmm. and um very opinionated as it is so i kind of know that there's certain things that you just kind of let it go i had seen yeah. it so long and i just you know it it was what it was kind of thing but he, he had probably gone down the whole rabbit hole of flat earthing and this and that and the other and um you know i don't i i don't see him anymore um i hope he's doing fine you know what i mean um I'm sure he is, but um, yeah, I don't think we probably like could have continued being in a band together for too long, given all that. Granted, I I had known him from back home, but it wasn't like since childhood or anything. But um, yeah, that that probably after a while, just like you know, would have gotten annoying. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Really, to put it, you know, like I, I. at its core, you know, I still love the guy, you mm-hmm. know, I can't get behind everything that he says and does, but like, you know, we, we you know, we even lived together for a little while and, uh, we had some heart to hearts, you know, he's a friend, but you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if we could have like worked together. Yeah. I mean, it's when I think about it though, cause it's like, cause when you think of like your friends, it's like, I feel like we're easy to kind of throw them, you know, potentially throw them away. But like, like when I think about like my actual brother, my brother told me something recently about like thinking someone was trying to hack him and got, it got pretty far out there, you know? Um, and I'm like, you're just like a dude, like no one's trying to like hack you, you know? Um, but like any of my other friends, I'd just be like, dude, I don't want to fucking deal with you right now. You know? But like with my brother, it's like, I have to give him more space you know, than I would, you know, um, mm. because it was like he, he started talking about something with like hackers and it almost was like talking about somebody like putting a spell on him, but like a digital spell in a way. And I guess that's one way, one way <laughs> to put a, <laughs> yeah. a computer virus. Well, I've, I mean, it's, it might as well be that because I don't understand how they work. So, um, but you know, it was, it, was get, it was getting a little out there and it's like, I guess when I think about that situation, it's like maybe that's kind of how they view Steven when he gets like that. You know, it's like 
that's that's my brother you know i mean let's put it this way like let's say it became too much but they still have to go on tour and they called me to play guitar for them i would be like not only shitting myself because like they're one of my favorite bands of all time and i'd probably be nervous around all of them all the time but there's no way i could be that for them Mm -hmm. like the space the space that he creates like i'm not him like i I couldn't do that so i think that they probably understand that you know they probably understand that like we literally can't do this without him like he is too integral to the sound his vibe is too integral to our interaction like we've known him forever i i would have nothing on that yeah you know what i mean um like so like the pressure from all of that i would just sort of like i mean sure i would play the parts correctly and like try to rock out as much as i could but like you know i can't I can't do that. Yeah, when I th- when I think about it in my head, if I were in that situation, in my head, I'm like, I would kick this person out, but I literally have no stakes. So this is like a fictional <laughs> situation, you know. It's like their money is tied up in and right. and it, but it's like even outside of that, it's like these relationships. So I probably do the same thing as them, you know. And well, it's like and it's like I don't know what it's harm. I don't, it's a harmful ideology in these things, but it's like sure. Maybe it's just a guy that sits around his house and smokes weed and has bad opinions, yeah? There's a lot of those in the world. <laughs> um, well, like, another example, like, classic example is, like, take, let's take Audio Slave, for example. Yeah. On paper, slam dunk, home mm-hmm. run, perfect marriage of bands that everybody get behind. It's like if we took, you know... It's like how they constructed the Los Angeles Lakers, like LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, all on one team. It's going to work out, right? Yeah. It, not necessarily. Uh, so, uh, you know, they're like, oh, uh, Soundgarden with Rage members. Blah, let's throw it together and mix it all up and see what happens. And, like, I would go so far to say is that band was a, such a disaster, like, awful like terrible it was the worst of all of them like chris cornell like i loved i loved everything that he did before that i hated everything that he did with audio slave yeah hated it all and it just wasn't the same it just wasn't even close and it's just like you know like a a lot of musicians want to believe that things are plug and play they can rise above no one will notice but you know like not having Zach De La Rocha, you know, fronting that, those, those other three, it's just like, you can't do it. You can't. Yeah, you just can't. it's it's wild because like I feel like lately I've been in like a mindset of like, not like you could replace anybody, but it's like anybody can kind of do it, especially if you're an established band, just go play the thing. But literally, that example makes me question <laughs> believing that because. Like, it should have... There's no reason why that shouldn't have worked. Like, Soundgarden yeah. was at the top of their game at that time, oh. Rage Against the Machine. Great, great. So it's just yeah. like... You know? Uh, 
well then you think about the thing about like uh van halen did two singers and like looking back on i mean so did acdc yeah i don't really like acdc i don't really love van halen i you know, there's a lot of stuff by by them that i do like but, but you know whatever um but i remember like kind of thinking about like damn that's like a big thing to do i mean i guess they had to do it because mm -hmm. of you know the money and the business and stuff but like the whole singer mm -hmm. that's like a lot yeah i mean it's like on paper and well personally i feel like it, it worked for them like for acdc it, it worked and um uh, did. yeah and even van halen you know with uh with like sammy hagar it worked too during that time like it it didn't not it kind of like kept working until like the uh gary sharon era so like van halen three like mm -hmm. they, they have that song on um i believe they have they have a song on like the twister soundtrack that's like that era oh, um, wow, that's <laughs> over my head I don't, you know. <laughs> but like know it should it shouldn't work <laughs> It, it like shouldn't work, you know, mm -hmm. but it's like it did for a long period of time with them. And like, yeah. it's like if you take something that shouldn't have worked and it did with that, but you take two things that were working easily with like it, it, that. Yeah, that's that's wild because it should be. But also Audio Slave wasn't as bad of a thing as like Velvet Revolver. But even that, <laughs> even if you look at that, though. Yeah, that was that should have to to a lot of people that should have worked too. Sure, like I I wouldn't yeah. feel like it would, but like, but it's like Scott Weiland was you know still pretty in a good spot I guess you know and it's like basically a lot of it was Guns and Roses right that's what Velvet Revolver is is like some of Guns and Roses and Scott Weiland I believe uh, I, can, I I don't know I'm speaking outside know. of my depth with uh, Velvet Revolver but you know on paper um, it should have worked yeah <laughs> it should have worked. Uh, Oh God, this we're deep into it. We're um, deep in it, but I, you know, I know where, I know how we got here. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, I uh, yeah, I don't think it. I don't see where it could work, especially with like, you know, like Sergio came in and it worked. It almost didn't know? though. I feel like, I I feel like I was skeptical just because of like how the band described a like you know I've talked to other. Deftones fans about this recently, but I wasn't crazy about Saturday Night Wrist, um, you know. And when I heard the story of like how they did that stuff, it just kind of sounded like they all were pretty flat. Mm -hmm. um, it was kind of thrown together, so I was like, okay, I'll give them a pass. But you know, I was in late college, and I was kind of just like, damn, is this band like petering out on me? You know, they gave me some of the best, best memories of my life. <laughs> um, are they, are they petering out on me? And um, then she dies and I'm like, all they ever talk about is how, you know, with she wasn't like how good he was at anything. It was just like, he was that guy that centered everybody and sort of harnessed the energy. You know, he grounded everybody. And when stuff got weird, they looked to him as like a guiding force and they looked to him as like this glue character. And uh, I've seen it when group 
dynamics break down when that person isn't there. And uh, I was just kind of like, damn, that's probably it. But then Diamond Eyes came out, and I was like, okay. All right. <laughs> that was yeah. the only, like, 2010s Deftones that I was, like, really into. Um, I like, I've gone back and listened to some of the other ones. Um, and they're not bad. Uh, when they came out, I was kind of a little, little skeptical, but, um, they're definitely not bad. I, I maybe I'm just older and more lame, but yeah. I like, I like, I like them now. I, I, I like the later albums now. Um, that is like a hard thing with like getting older. I feel like there used to be certain things where it was just like, I do not like this. I know I hate it. And uh, now I feel like I f- catch myself saying, like, there are worse things about, like, almost everything. Yeah, like movies, <laughs> TV shows. It'll take up all your time, too. Dude, I watched all of fucking Cobra Kai the other day, and I didn't like a second of it. I was, still just, like, I was just like, you know, I mean, it's something to watch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like somebody was like as a kid i would have been like lincoln park is the enemy and then like it was like a couple years ago or something i I caught myself saying to someone like lincoln park's fine there's worse things you know it's just like like it's like i struggle to figure out like what i dislike anymore like i don't know what it is i think you just you have more patience yeah probably a little more patience you a little more understanding of where where things come from and how things work and sometimes that can lead to you kind of just sort of letting giving things a pass in the sense that like artistically it's not really going to like cramp your style if you just let this go whereas (laughs) when you're younger and a little bit more like brash you can't let anything in that goes against whatever like fragile identity that you're clinging on to. Yeah. You know, you're just like, this is who I am. Like, yeah. And like, now you're kind of just like, what are you talking about, man? Like, <laughs> just, just, just relax. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I love watching like kind of shitty movies, action movies. This is fun to me. I like watching like lame ass rom-coms you know, now, like, I, it, there's a lot of, like, pulp stuff that I'll just get down on just because, like, something to do and takes my mind off of life. And it goes the same, really, for music. Like, I'll try anything Yeah. now. You know, I'll give it a shot. Some stuff, I'm just like, yeah, I can't do this. But I'll at least give it a shot. Whereas, like, I, I definitely wouldn't have, you know, like, in 2009... I was just like, I only listen to like Discord, like, you know, math rock stuff. (laughs) It's it, man. You know, and that's just not, it's not enough, you know? Yeah. When I, um, when I met my wife, I've, I've had memories of like when we first started dating, driving around town, just listening to death metal. It's not, uh, she didn't, that wasn't her pick, but it was like, I would just put it on in the car and we would just drive around. You know, it feels like you drive around for like hours, but it's like, I, I feel like if I listen to death metal now, it's like within 15 minutes, I'm like, I'm good, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but it's like just the idea of like listening to it for like hours on end, 
right. just listening to like suffocation is just like it sounds I don't. um <laughs> it sounds it sounds, ex- it sounds exhausting <laughs> yeah maybe you need to uh this is your uh this is your grindcore phase because those songs are only 15 seconds long you can just yeah i can get enough of it in snack. that period of time yeah um so if you had like any further comments about like the song or the kind of history of the record um you know i i'm all ears sure sure um so yeah like when i was uh younger i was really unaware of this partially because of the um you know download illegal download kind of thing yeah um also but i bought white pony i bought the white one but there's a red one also and there might have been a gray one also, or maybe the white, maybe the white and the gray were the same ones. Anyway, um, first there's a version that starts with "Back to School," uh-huh. and "Back to School" was actually made after everything else was done. And I learned more about that. Uh, he basically wanted to. The label wanted a hit, and he was upset about that because mm-hmm. you know. They had just made a fucking masterpiece and it's like, what do you, what do you want from me? Yeah. And so he made back to school as like a rap rock anthem to show how easy it was. Mm-hmm. But then it, it, it ends up being like what starts the record out. And like, I don't know, Gino, if you're out there, when I was in high school, when that came out and I loved it, you know. Yeah. I I acknowledge that it's like cheap cheap thrill now, but you know, I thought that music video was the shit. <laughs> I thought it was all cool. So, um, but then there's another version that ends with the Boys Republic. It's B side. Uh, that song fucking rules. It still rules. Like really great song. Um, I think it's on the red one, but yeah. So. A few different, few different versions. Let's see. Um, I always find it interesting what songs get cut too and don't get cut. Like for instance, like that song, "Elite." Mm-hmm. He just screams the whole time. I have never liked that song. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's always interesting to, that concept. Um, yeah, I don't know why that would be one that you would keep, but it's it's kind of like that, hard for me to say. And then they trashed. Um, or they didn't trash, but like, you know, it's really hard to find Voice Republic now. Uh-huh. I can't find it on Spotify. Uh, I'm sure it's somewhere on YouTube, but um, that song is way better. <laughs> and uh, it didn't make it. Yeah, there's a, there's like a version of the record too. Uh, maybe just hadn't gotten to it yet. Um, the 20th anniversary deluxe edition that came out in 2020. Uh, I heard yeah. about it. I don't know if I've listened to any of the deluxe parts it's an hour and 39 minutes so uh there's a lot there's a lot of uh okay so the clams casino remix dj shadow remix salva remix robert smith remix and uh purity ring oh yeah mike shinoda remix on it so that's kind of cool um purity ring that's a different it's different from them i think that that's probably a chino pick (laughs) <laughs> yeah so yeah i guess mainly the thing is like there are a lot of versions of this record which is pretty wild mm-hmm. yeah, yeah i mean they have a lot of different 
types of fans too. Um, when I saw I saw them in two thousand four, when the self title came out, mm-hmm. and um, it was one of the best shows I've ever been to because it was a club show, pretty small. They were like doing a club tour specifically in small small spaces, just pack out. But you know, I was like seventeen, just like dripping with sweat from just like going crazy. And I'm walking out and, you know, getting, you know, the air that comes in when you, they open the doors and like, you know, that hits your sweat and you're like, oh, it feels so good. And I'm like sort yeah. of coming down off of that. And this big dude, it's like white guy with like shaved head, big, huge meathead looking dude. And he was really mad because they played all the sissy shit <laughs> with all the singing and stuff. Yeah. And they didn't play enough off of adrenaline, you know, and he was just voicing this opinion very loudly. And I was like right next to him. And I was kind of like, yeah, but, you know, they played some of the other stuff like it's cool. And he was like he wasn't like looking to like start any confrontations or anything, but he was just expressing himself. So we talked a little bit, but he was like, we saw the same show. <laughs> he was like not into it. So. I don't know. I guess there's all, all like a whole spectrum of Deftones fans out there. Like some people like the sissy stuff. Some people like the hard stuff. Some people like both. I don't know. That's that like a thing like to kind of be able to be a band that kind of like has the fan base where they're kind of like picking sides within your band. <laughs> like even how we mentioned like ACDC, it's like there's people that like pick, you know, it's like, I only like the first singer or something, but it's like, or it's like the same way that people talk about the Smiths or they talk about the cure. Like that is weirdly enough to type of band that Deftones has become. Like, I don't, maybe I just don't know these people, but I don't feel like there are a lot of corn fans that do that (laughs) in that same way. And maybe I just don't know a lot of like hardcore corn fans, but I feel like I've heard a lot of people express right. different eras of deftones and they talk about them like it's like there's nuance yeah there's like college courses on the deftones it feels like you know <laughs> <laughs> hey you know if there's a college course out there i'd love to teach it <laughs> <laughs> so so i mean big respect for that because the the way it feels like the way it feels like people have talked about the deftones for like so much of my adult life like has been the reason why I feel like I keep trying to go back and get it. And different people have different like, oh, well, I understand you don't like this era, but you should check out this album, you know? And so it's like, you know, I've had people that tell me like self-titled is really where you should start, you know, or like, you know, just whatever, you know, oh, you like Sergio. Probably wouldn't even agree with that. But I think that I've, I've been, especially like in college, um more so than high school in college when i was just like you know trying to make friends and stuff if somebody was like this bums me out i don't want to listen to this i like got used to just being like oh yeah yeah yeah. switch you know whatever i didn't expect a lot of people to like be up for that you know what i mean and uh so when you know you were telling me like oh yeah i don't know if it's really like my thing like, I don't know if, I, yeah, I didn't really blink an eye 
because I'm just kind of, <laughs> it's kind of almost used to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very, it's very cult following, and some people like the cult, and other people aren't as into it. That's fine. Yeah, I feel like that's a lot of the energy. I, I, you know how when you, if you tell someone, you're like, I don't know why Pink Floyd's the band. It's like, you know, when you were a kid and so you're like, I don't really like Pink Floyd. And they're like, what? Or, you know, it's like people will do that with like the Beatles, you know, like I've, I've always had that same thing where it's just like, well, that's cool, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I probably, I know that I've probably been the person that was like pushing the Ramones on somebody that just didn't have the ear for it, you know? Um, so yeah, it is interesting to kind of like, kind of like what hits you and doesn't like, I, I can't explain it with Deftones. Like it's, but I feel like I have like more respect cause than I have ever, you know, with this record. Like I, I, I kind of wish that people would have pushed this record on me more than like, you know, some of the later ones too. Cause I feel like uh, it's yeah. you're getting yeah. it's better, right? It's better writing. Um, I, I, honestly, like, you know, I'm going to sound like a 36 year old, but, uh, you know, the straight line of, records uh up to but not including saturday night wrist are like that's per like you know around the fur is probably like the most them if i'm being completely honest just yeah. this is the presentation of this group fully from start to finish has all the different types of iterations of how they are soft songs sad songs angry songs it's got all the stuff yeah. like there it's it's a more fully formed version yeah i would probably put that you know i'm not saying that that's what you should go home and do <laughs> yeah but i always thought white pony was just a little bit more like they started doing more drugs or something i don't know so like i kind of get if someone was just like oh, this is killing my vibe man like what is he talking about <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's just it's just a little like knife party is hard to take sometimes, like, you know, like <laughs> like what is he talking about? It's fucking stupid. <laughs> yeah, I like the song, but like you know, I wouldn't have written it. <laughs> I definitely get when people don't get it or aren't that into it or whatever, and I you know we identify each other out there in the wild when someone is like really likes them because mm -hmm. those people are like rabid fans there's no between fans yeah it's either you really really like them at some point or like you just don't so. yeah. yeah well before i let you go i wanted to talk about you so you have a new uh you have a new album coming out and yes, you wanted to talk about that so uh okay well depending on when this show drops um i have full record will be out on March 11th, 311 day, and it is entitled Dark Matters. It's on Skeletal Lightning, cool label in Illinois. And I think this is the most proud I've ever been of my songwriting. And mm -hmm. I hope others think so too, you know? I'm, I'm, I'm a grown man, you know? Yeah. I'm a grown man and I'm making grown man music, I think. Now, um, there's two hot features with Namdi playing drums. Okay. Little jazz jazz tunes, and then uh, I use an amazing amount of clean guitar on this record. 
Maybe that's what I've told myself as an adult. Yeah. Um, but it's super hilarious. Uh, this is an aside, but um, the times we've played some of the new stuff live, it's like so much heavier and I like it like that. <laughs> yeah. So I'm still happy with the record, but it's funny that like when it's time to play live, I'm like, all right, this is turned like way up and just like, you know, blast everyone's ears off and like, you know, even still. So, um, yeah, I hope um, people like it. Get ready for uh, a lot more singing too. I sing, I sing a lot more, but um, yeah. you know, that's all. That's all I'll say. Everyone should buy it. Don't stream it. Buy the CD or the tape or the, the digital copy. Yeah, I'm still supposed to pick up your uh, last LP. I think. Uh, oh, Elise didn't give it I, to you. Yeah, no, Elise. Uh, I think still has a copy of it, and I think that I she was to meaning get... to. Okay. Yeah, and I think she, if she still has copies, I guess I need to give her money, or I don't know if I should give you money or her since she has the copies. Um, you Why don't know, you text? Guess... Just text me. <laughs> just text me your address, and we'll figure it out. Okay, <laughs> we'll figure yeah. it out. Um, I, I mean, I'm ex- I'm excited about hearing more of the new record. Um, I I guess it's like I didn't know you even had a new record coming out, so it was it was a surprise. Well, me and oh, me, we talk okay. some. It's not like we're like you know uh, sharing files back and forth right. Well, right now, so but basically, since the last time we spoke until now, I was like completing it i suppose okay so um it's been a long time coming um but i'm uh, god i'm so glad it's over (laughs) and we can just be done yeah i feel like it's been um i I, it almost makes me feel better that it was like a long time coming which sounds funny because like i've struggled so much to like write during this time frame you know, um, and I know that there's a bunch of bands that have written whole albums, but and I have lots of like half things out there since like the pandemic started. But just like I feel like I get honestly, I feel like I get envious when I see like, you know, acquaintances like being able to finish anything during mm. this time frame because um, it's 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 really hard. But I'm going to say you know. I almost I almost didn't. The last few hurdles I had to get over were like you know, me just like being in this like depressive rut, like watching, binge watching TV on the couch and like, just like letting my guitars like sit and rot in the other room and just like Mm -hmm. being a complete piece of shit. And then just finally one day being like, dude, you gotta just, just do it. And then I would do one song and then just like big sigh of relief. And then the, the same rut will just like, continue for another month and then like i got another thing done and i was like oh yes <laughs> just two more to go <laughs> you know so um i was kind of lucky to have had stuff some stuff from before the pandemic that i was still working on and then during the pandemic just uh having uh one or two people in my life that were just like get out of bed dude get the fuck out of bed do what you got to do or just being really disappointed in me for being like a piece of shit on the couch, you know, yeah. eating the same, the same thing every day from the same Thai restaurant and like watching the same episodes of the Simpsons over and over again. And just like, just, just peak, just trash. Yeah. I know the feel. 
<laughs> that was a lot of the pandemic, so let's not let's not. Uh, yeah. Know. Okay, um, that makes me feel a little better. Dude, uh. Yeah, it's 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 normal. It's normal. You're doing fine. Um, and the best thing you can probably do. This is my advice: is lean on your bandmates. You know, for their ideas and for their perspective, because that will probably pull you pull you out of the rut. Well, I think that's a perfect way to finish, and I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure, my friend. Welcome back. Thanks again to Devin for coming on the pod. His new album, Dark Matters, comes out on 311. So pre-order that today and check out those new singles in the meantime. Okay, next time on the pod, we're chatting with Maxwell Stern of the band Signals Midwest. We talked about Jets Brazil's final album, Perfecting Loneliness. So tune in next week. Don't forget to check out our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash spinningoutpod. Follow us on social media, Twitter, and Instagram at spinningoutpod. Rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And you can do that now on Spotify. Please think about subscribing to the Patreon. Every little bit counts and keeps us going. Thanks as always to Sarah Blumenthal for editing the pod and Pretty Maddie for the theme. Okay, see you next week.